Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Caleb and Kenny in the Morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. A lot to dive into on a Wednesday. We have Big Ten Media Days. Mike Woodson speaking. We'll get to that a bit later on this hour. Plus, an Indiana high school placed on probation. We'll give you details there. Plus, in hour number two, Hal Charters will join us to discuss Purdue football and basketball. Uh, he writes for Saturday Tradition. Uh, is there perhaps a, a brewing question at quarterback? We'll ask him about that and more. Also, James Franklin calls out IU's non-conference scheduling. I say join him. We'll get to that. Plus, Jonathan Taylor now RB1 on the cold step chart. So, what will we see on Sunday in regards to Jonathan Taylor versus Zach Moss? And don't worry, Justin, I found a bear story for us. All right, so, so our streak ends at one. Yes, That's we, we're back to covering bear stories. There are a lot of uh, good stories. Um, we had a, like a, a record pumpkin was you out have there. Those around this time mm-hmm. of year. Yeah. Now, my thing with James Franklin, we'll get to it, but why is he criticizing IU's non-conference and when not Michigan's? Right? Well, a lot of people scared of pissing mis- off Michigan? misinterpreted it and thought it was he was calling out Michigan, and he was not. He's calling out Indiana, and I say, why? Yeah, why do you even care <laughs> why about Why are you IU? worried? Why not call out, call out Michigan? Because you're afraid of Michigan? Uh, we'll also get to Purdue and Ohio State, some by the numbers. Again, I, I have to hold to my prediction that Purdue is going to upset Ohio State. I, yeah. I can't waver now. I've, I was in too deep as of last week because I, I, I've been calling it since the preseason, right? Yeah. So yes, I have to. Uh, I have to stick with my prediction. But after Which doing I can, some I can some research, I feel a bit more confident. Oh, really? Uh, based on what has played out in the series, so we'll get to that after headlines. Remember four six eight six two <laughs> to call out Caleb for this. Prediction. Please, uh, just go after me. It, it's deserved. But hey, if I'm right, <laughs> until Monday, you better believe. I will yes. be all over everyone on this one. I will not let up. I will. <laughs> you will hear about it on Monday. You better. You better have the uh, the fight song ready for Purdue. We first can do thing that. Monday morning. We can do that. If if uh, this upset does indeed occur, four six eight six two is how you reach us on the text line again. Four six eight six two. You can also stream us thirteen eighty thefan dot com via the thirteen eighty thefan app. That is free for you to download in your app store. Or on your smart speaker for free as well. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. Caleb Kinney 1380 is the show handle. Uh, my Twitter handle or X, whatever, is Caleb Hatch. Justin's is J. Kinney OPS. And for good measure, the station is 1380 The Fan. So that's how you get in touch with us on Twitter throughout the show this morning. So we get to headlines and we'll get to NHL in a bit. But in baseball last night, the team that we all, you know, thought, wow, what a great season for them. Uh, Baltimore? Yeah, swept. Swept. Shows you just how little the, the regular season means when you get into the playoffs. The AL East became the AL least in the playoffs because uh, Baltimore didn't win a game. Obviously, the Rays didn't win a game. Meanwhile, Houston took a 2-1 series lead over Minnesota. They did, and when you look at the new format in in Major League Baseball, the six teams in each um, in the in the each league that make 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 the playoffs. Last year, you had the top two teams in the AL make the ALCS, 
but the bottom two teams in the NL with the Padres and the Phillies, of course, the number one seed in the AL Houston won the World Series. But then this year, you already have the one out in Baltimore. You have the two in the National League down 2-0 to the Diamondbacks. I'm just wondering if if the expanded playoffs is going to make for, at least so far it has, a more exciting playoffs in the sense that you're not guaranteed the one and the two of each league meeting up in the ALCS. And is that a good thing? Is 162 games and winning your division, let's say Baltimore, had four, finished 40 games over 500, 101 and 61, and they're swept in three in the divisional series. Does it lessen what lessens division championships? It's kind of what I'm saying. Well, and another question is like, you know, we, we used to see this in the NFL in the division round where you have all that time off versus playing a team who played in the wild card round. Right. And we still see it now from time to time where teams just come out so flat because they're out of their rhythm after a week off. And conversely, look at Texas. Haven't lost. They're 5-0 and in the playoffs. Look at the Diamondbacks. They're 4-0 and in the playoffs after sweeping Milwaukee in the first round. And, and Texas, like you said, sweeping Tampa Bay. So I, I don't know if it, and maybe this is both, it, it, it makes the baseball playoffs more exciting, but it also devalues, in my mind, the regular season a little bit and winning your division because it didn't matter for Baltimore. It didn't matter for Milwaukee. Last year, it didn't matter for the Cardinals in the playoffs. Um, it didn't matter for the Dodgers. It didn't matter for the Braves last year. So it's really interesting in terms of how this is working out with the new playoff format and those one and two seeds that get that by aren't guaranteed to match up in the championship series. I, I think when you expand so much, you actually make it hard you make the path in a way harder for the teams that were successful in the regular season and that's what they wanted right in terms of expanded playoffs more teams in the playoffs but now it also challenges those top seeds which you could say they 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 should be challenged shouldn't be an easy road to the championship series but at the same time 162 games is a long season you win your division you get that by you feel pretty good but Last year, it bit Atlanta and the Dodgers in the division series, and already this year, it's bitten the Baltimore Orioles. Do you series. expand it to a seven-game series in the division series? I would like to see seven games. Like to me, that that feels like the counter. And I know, and I know that people. Well, the, the baseball season is long enough. I get it, but at the same time, if you're gonna have 162 games and they come down, you come down to a three-game series in the wild card series and a five-game series in the divisional series. That doesn't seem Right. I would say five games for the wild card and then seven games after that. Right now, though, it being progressive from three to five to seven, obviously the World Series best of seven. At least you have like a staggered number of games per series. I get it that way. I just I I don't think 162 games should come down to three or even come down to five. I, I, I agree. Now, I don't. I don't think it's necessary to have a seven-game wild card series. Personally, no, I wouldn't do that. I would go five games, yes, and then seven games the division series, and of course the ALCS, NLCS, of the World Series. But man, it's been a tough. If you're a Baltimore fan, you, 
you love the season, but it just it comes down to three games and you got swept. And I know it's it, you have to show up and be ready. But at the same time, damn, 40 over and you don't even want a playoff game. But also, I mean, how much of it is having playoff experience, you know? Playoff experience and the top end of a rotation that can dominate is is key. But I would like to see the playoff series, the early rounds, a little bit longer. Meanwhile, the hockey season debuted last night at a triple header. You had Tampa Bay beating Nashville 5-3. Chicago beating Pittsburgh 4-2 on the road uh, in Connor Bedard's debut as he had an assist. And then Vegas, the reigning Stanley Cup champions, uh, defeated Seattle 4-1 to last night in the nightcap. A triple header on ESPN yesterday and... Cool to see Connor Bedard out there, all of 18 years old, already considered one of the best players in the NHL, a generational talent by all intents and purposes. And it was him versus Sid the Kid, who's now 36 years old, which makes me feel old. <laughs> right. Sid the Kid is now, Sidney Crosby, 36 years old. But ESPN had a cool sit down with, with Crosby and Bedard mm-hmm. that was on SportsCenter yesterday. They showed it at snippets in the in, uh, intermissions and stuff like that on, on the games last night. But the Blackhawks fall, fall behind two to nothing in that game. They were second in the NHL last year, as bad as they were in multi-goal comebacks to win. And they did it again last night. Four unanswered goals by the Hawks. They get the win to open the season four to two over the Penguins, and I think another full slate of games. There were only three games last night, but I think most everybody is getting started today uh, with, I think, six games on the schedule, including the Blackhawks are on the road against the Bruins tonight. And meanwhile, the other news in hockey, uh, unfortunate news, it came out yesterday. Barry Melrose, who is, in my opinion, the, the face of hockey not only on ESPN, but one of the faces of hockey in, in my lifetime on television in general. Um, but he is stepping away from ESPN uh, due to having Parkinson's disease. We'll spend more time with his family. Um, just a major bummer because this has been the guy for hockey on ESPN for my lifetime. And it's it was cool because with, with the NHL going back to ESPN, you felt, okay, Barry Melrose, you're going to see him all the time again. Yeah. And uh, now he steps away to be with his family. Totally understanding of that. I and mean, I remember Barry Melrose when he was a coach um, or he played for Detroit. And then he was a coach with the Kings and uh, with Gretzky. And um, then he was with Tampa Bay, I think, for like a hot minute. And then since then, with the trademark mullet and even sporting a, a beard and a mustache and a goatee, d- d- depending on the day. Barry Merrow's the face of 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 NHL on ESPN, and uh, tough to see him now step away to be with his family due to Parkinson's. Couple of notes in the NFL. First off, the Colts have added Kellen Mond to the practice squad as they add some quarterback depth for their team. Um, again, makes sense with Anthony Richardson going to be out. We know multiple weeks. He's a former third round quarterback um, that the Colts added. Uh, he used to be with the Vikings and the Browns. Also, the Colts added former Bears wide receiver Anthony Miller to the practice squad as well. Some reinforcements for the Colts. And with Anthony Richardson sideline for the foreseeable future, needed some depth at quarterback. So Kellen Mond, Mond gets the nod. And elsewhere in the NFL, the Falcons have traded for Rams wide receiver Van Jefferson. 
Uh, the Falcons sent a 2025 six-round pick to the Rams for a seventh-round selection in the same year. This makes sense because, well, Puka Nakua has surpassed Jefferson on the depth chart. Cooper Cup is back. He's healthy. So it just it seems like his snaps are going away. And the Falcons saw an opportunity to, to get a receiver who's had some success. Um, in fact, in, in the Super Bowl run for the Rams in, in 2021, he had 50 catches, 802 yards, six touchdowns. So, And he's only 27 years old. So there's still plenty of time to put together some, some good seasons left in his career. Right. I mean, if Atlanta can tap into that potential that we saw one year and him only being 27, then it's going to work out for Atlanta. But they can let him walk at the end of the season if it doesn't. It's basically a low-risk, high-reward type trade. And as you mentioned, for the Rams, they were also going to let Jefferson go at the end of the season and had been usurped on the depth chart. And so the Rams were able to get something out of Jefferson with a draft pick. And so we'll see how that works out for both teams going forward. And an update on Dolphins running back Devon Achan, expected to miss multiple weeks with a knee injury, could land on injured reserve. It's a tough day yesterday for some skill position players in the NFL. You had Achan, you had Justin Jefferson. Going to miss four games going on IR. Of course, you have Anthony Richardson, so some big names heading to the injured list in the NFL. Meanwhile, the Comets continuing camp and the three-on-three scrimmage uh, scheduled for today at 3.30 has been canceled. Uh, Wednesday and Thursday practices will be from 10.30 to noon and will be held as is open to the public. And we saw more moves with the Ks as, as they get players over from... Bakersfield, so defenseman Connor Corseron and forwards Carl Berglund, Jake Chiasson, Ethan DeYoung, and Jack Dugan on their way from the Bakersfield Condors. We should have asked um, Coach Kalecki yesterday about how how many if, if the Bakersfield guys are they are they definitely going to be roster dudes or is it going to depend or will they go back up to Bakersfield at the end of camp? Or could they go down, um, down? I mean, could they go down? I, I don't know if all of them are guaranteed to make the roster or not when they're sent from Bakersfield. Not sure. Yeah, you, you kind of wonder. I mean, you would think if Bakersfield's going to loan them, they would be guaranteed a roster spot. That That is a You would question. think. I wouldn't think the K's can be like, yeah, you're sending us players and we're, we don't want them. We, uh, I don't know. We, we should ask maybe like Shane Albrani. We could uh, yeah, uh, talk to him Coney later in the week or, like or Coney yeah. later in the week and, and kind of see how it plays out ahead. The exhibition games. And speaking of exhibition games, uh, the Comets are playing this weekend. If you missed it, uh, the exhibition games against Iowa this weekend. And we have plenty of tickets to give away. In fact, we'll have a couple of winners uh, this hour and more next hour. So if you just text exhibition to 46862, again, exhibition to 46862, you could be a winner of Comets tickets for this Saturday at the Coliseum. Saturday night, puck drop, I believe, what, 730? at the Coliseum uh, in the first exhibition game. So, again, just text EXHIBITION to 46862, and you'll be in the running for a pair of tickets to see the Comets in action on Saturday night against Iowa. Meanwhile, Purdue, did you, did Ohio you watch, State. Real quick, did you, did you? I thought you would bring up the Indiana Pacers I, playing last night. No, I'm not. No. Uh, watching it was, exhibition basketball. It was a who's who because Miles Turner didn't play. Tyrese Halliburton didn't play. Uh, Andrew Nemhard didn't play. Uh, the only one to play that I know is at Benedict Matherin, basically. But um, no, uh, 
preseason hockey, preseason hockey, preseason basketball doesn't matter at the at the pro level. For now, sure. for the Comets, it matters yeah, a lot. Yeah, for sure. You're trying to make the roster. <laughs> because that's what I'm at the pro they level. Have, they have two games, and that's all they have to to make their mark and make the team. So that's what makes it so unique. Yeah. Is that there is very little margin for error for, for guys who are you know, on the fringes of making the roster. Right. But in the NBA, no. You're basically watching a bunch of dudes that are going to be mad ants anyway. Yeah, which... Don't care. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Thanks to what they do. Yeah, not at all. That's, a, that's a, it's an interesting dynamic, too, because I know that the Mad Ants are going to make a push up here to try to get people to go down to games occasionally. But you just we talked Why? about it at the time. You alienated your second biggest metropolitan area in the state by what you did. Even if you weren't even a Fort Wayne Mad Ants fan, you have to be salty about how that went down. Because make no mistake, the Fort Wayne Mad Ants had no idea that that was happening. And so it's going to be interesting when the Indiana Pacers have the gall to be like, hey, let's go try to give out some tickets up, up north or sell some tickets up in Fort Wayne. It's, 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 uh, it's not going to go well. Look, why would you go down to Indy to a Mad Ants game when you can just go to a Pacers game? Well, cheaper. Yeah, but... I mean, that's no, the only I, argument. But I agree. But like why even before, like why a yes, B after what the Pacers did with the Mad Ants and how they left, why would you even care what's going on down there? And I'm, and I'm wondering too, if there's people out there, four, six, eight, six, two, that now look at the Pacers overall as a negative light because of what happened. Certainly hasn't helped since, you know, it's hard to get their games if you don't have, you know, the right cable plan um, because they're still holding on to a regional sports network. And then they pulled that stunt. It, it is hard. Like they, they put themselves behind the eight ball for seemingly no reason. It's the Indiana Pacers, but it really feels like the Indianapolis. Yes. Oh yes. I, I would agree. And we've talked about this before, like the Indianapolis Colts. they should flip flop because the Indianapolis Colts feels like the Indiana Colts. Well, the, the Colts, for example, came up here in August, you know, sending up some of their people, set up a, a player interview over the phone. Like they were making the effort across the state to advance the Colts. And and I get it. Part of it is the Colts had a bad season last year. So they probably feel more of a need to try to get in front of other markets and, and take care of their affiliates right. and whatnot. But you annually see the Colts night at the tin caps. Like yeah. They're annually trying to tap into this market. And meanwhile, the Pacers are very much regionally based or locally based in Indianapolis. Yeah, you you can't you can't say you're Indiana's game, Indiana's team, which is their braining a couple years ago. <laughs> if you're not going out there beyond the Indianapolis area and, and promoting your product, and you anger an entire market based on how you went about yanking the G League team, <laughs> that too. <laughs> you know, four six eight six two. Your text line number again four six eight six two. So. Uh, Justin, I obviously am going to go down with the ship on my Purdue prediction I can respect against Ohio that. State. Uh, I'm not wavering. There, this is no time to waver. This is no time to question. Uh, you have to stand firm. And in doing some research last night, I stumbled across some numbers. And if you're a Purdue fan, you have to be very intrigued by this matchup. Now, is it a disappointment that the game's on Peacock and not on NBC? And, and and not the the Saturday night NBC game. Yes, but that, I mean that's because it's Notre Dame USC. 
and that was going to be a given regardless. But any other year, this is a, a night game, most likely. And even with Purdue's record, as it is. But Purdue has a unique opportunity on Saturday afternoon. So they're tied for the best winning percentage versus Ohio State since 2000. Five mm-hmm. wins in 14 games played. Okay. Michigan, Penn State also have five wins against the Buckeyes during that time frame. So Purdue's on that level with the other two you know, supposed elite teams in the Big Ten. Uh, Purdue has won three of the last four at home in the series, obviously including the 2018 Tyler Trent game, which who could ever forget? That was just a, a magical night uh, for Purdue, not only Purdue football, but it just felt like for Purdue sports, for Purdue alums, for anyone in the state of Indiana, it was just a, a wild game. And right now, Purdue a 19.5 point underdog at home Saturday. Now, I think they could definitely cover that number. That's pretty high, and it wouldn't shock me if it went up prior to kickoff. But th- there's an opportunity here that, by the numbers, look, Purdue, and, and you can say, well, they did this under Jeff Brom, and I get that. But Purdue has, has been known to upset top five teams for the last handful of years. Done it several times. The spoiler makers. Yes. Like, are we seeing that other opportunity? Remember, Ohio State has Penn State the following week. That's, which is their yeah. second biggest game of the season outside of, of course, the game against Michigan. Are, could, could Purdue protect, potentially catch an Ohio State team that's looking ahead to that matchup with Penn which State? Which was my argument all along, is that Purdue uh, would have Rossade rolling that, you know, in theory it'd be a night game, and the Boilers would, you know, pull the upset because Ohio State had that big matchup the following week. Obviously not a night game, which takes away from my confidence level in my pick. And I like, you know, what's weird is like, so the big 10 has NBC has like the exclusive Saturday night game. Yeah. Which like, I don't know it, the time slots for the big 10. Like I get it. You, you, you have the noon, the three thirty, which will be CBS in full next year. Uh, and then NBC in the night game. But like what? Fox is running, you know, Pac-12 and other like Mountain West games even. Well, what's the, what's the, I, I don't even know the answer to this question. What's the primetime game next week? Because the Penn State, Ohio State game is a big noon kickoff. Yes. What's bigger than Ohio State, Penn State next, next week on Fox? Uh, not being primetime. I don't know. I, I don't know. And part of it is Fox gets the priority. They get the first pick, I believe, of the games. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule it's not very uh no wait next week okay i'm i was looking at this week so yeah, next cause, yeah cuz you have Notre Dame, iu USC. at michigan uh the noon game this week so you have yeah penn state ohio state is at noon probably michigan michigan state and i Whatever. think they just released the the times for next week i'm not sure um who knows anyway i mean when you look at at what purdue has to do and yeah, the last time they beat Ohio State yes. in West Lafayette. Michigan, Michigan State is the NBC is the night game next snoozer. Um, but that was a night game. This is the thing. This is the challenge that Purdue's gonna have. Noon kickoff. That means you're gonna have a bunch of sleepy college students filtering in and all that stuff. Where's the atmosphere going to be at Ross 8? This is not a night kickoff where you've had an entire day to get sauced and excited and all that stuff and have Ross-Aid Stadium rocking from the jump. 
Can Ross 8 actually be full and energetic and really prop up the Boilermakers from the opening kickoff to give them the energy to at least stay in this game and make it a game in the second half? That's the challenge for Purdue fans is you can't show up at 11.58 all sleepily and and think that Purdue is going to come out and, and feed off your energy. You have to have energy. You have to be locked in at noon. That, to me is a disadvantage for Purdue playing this game so early. Let alone the fact that you also want to make sure there are more Purdue fans than Ohio State fans in attendance. Also a focus. <laughs> like, yes. let's not kid ourselves that Ohio State fans travel well and they see an opportunity, oh, we could go to the Purdue game and it'd probably be a, a cheaper ticket since Purdue has struggled so far this year. As opposed to, you know, maybe it's it's harder to go to games at the shoe unless it's, you know, the non-conference, you know, directional schools that they're playing. So, you know, that could be the play there as well. It's uh, tickets right now are few and far between. So right now on StubHub, the best tickets that I can find two tickets together is in the end zone opposite of the student section, section 115 for $43 a piece. So it's not already bad. pretty full at Ross Aid. But there are tickets available still. Um in the secondary market to step up. But um I think for this one is where's the energy level for Purdue to start off? Noon games are like when you turned into noon kickoff last week and it was Oklahoma and Texas, the cotton bowl was just crazy already. Okay. Where is Ross Aid Stadium at noon on Saturday? Are people still trickling in? Especially students. Are they late arriving? They're going to get there by the end of the first quarter. The, by the end of the first quarter, this game may be over. So I think it's up to the Purdue fan base to make sure Ross Aid is a great atmosphere from the jump. And that could potentially fuel the Boilermakers for a big play early, a turnover, a quick score, something to then continue that momentum and ride it to try to keep this game close in the second half. If you're close in the second half, anything can happen. But the opening quarter, the opening 10 minutes even, are paramount for Purdue. 46862, your text line number. Send us your thoughts on Purdue, Ohio State. Let us know. Also, uh, am I the only person who is fine with like the noon kickoff or the mid-afternoon kickoff? Like Having been to college football night games. Uh, yeah, it's great if it starts at 7.30. You're, but sounding, by the time, You're sounding like me. No, but by the time the game is over and you get back to your car and often you have to take a shuttle back to, like if you go to a night game at Notre Dame, you know, you got to take the, the buses back to the, the, the lot. Right. And by the time you're getting to, you know, it's so late. You like sound it's so old. No, like it's, it's no, it well is. after midnight. Old. Like you were talking, it could be like 1 a.m. I by know. By the time you get, get to your car. College students, that College students matter. don't care. Yes. I, I know. And these are college games. So, I mean, <laughs> the college students are fine. We're, we're, we're both thinking along the lines of middle age. Going, like you, you have to get a hotel. You're not driving home with that. Well, my thing, when I covered Notre Dame for a couple of years, when I was at the new Sentinel and they would have a couple, of course, a couple of night games at home a year and you weren't getting out of there. If you were lucky at two o'clock in the morning and then I was driving home hour and a half or whatever, Ugh. two hours to go. But yeah, like it's brutal. Night games are absolutely brutal 
if you're not 18 to 21 years old. That's for sure. Yes. That's, I guess that's my point. But <laughs> for Purdue fans, you best get there early on Saturday. Represent. Don't sell your tickets to anybody in red. And be ready to fire up the Boilermakers from the jump. If it's a sleepy noon crowd that's still filing in, especially it's supposed to be a dreary weekend, right? A little chilly. If there's just no energy at Ross-Aid, this game is over early. But can Purdue feed off that crowd to keep it close? We'll talk more Boilers in hour number two with Kyle Charters, uh, who writes about Purdue sports with Saturday tradition. Meanwhile, on the other side, Big Ten Media Days and Mike Woodson uh, broke down a lot of topics, including one game at Assembly Hall in the Kentucky series and how he found out about the Malik Renew burger. <laughs> it is a great exchange. We'll play you the audio for that next. You're on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. Thanks for being with us on a Wednesday. And you could win on a Wednesday. We're giving away pairs of tickets to the Comets exhibition game coming up on Saturday night at the Coliseum. Comets playing Iowa. Just text exhibition to 46862. Again, that's exhibition to 46862. And you'll be in the running for those tickets. We'll have more tickets to give away. Uh, in fact, this hour on the show and next hour. So uh, keep your ears peeled. Uh, we will give out other codes. But again, last chance really to enter for exhibition at 46862. So we talk uh, Purdue football. Meanwhile, IU basketball uh, and Purdue basketball, for that matter, uh, talking about the upcoming season, Big Ten Media Day in Minneapolis. It was in Minneapolis last year, Minneapolis this year. I'm not going to lie. I It kind of snuck up on me because, well, when no one's talking about it, because it's in Minneapolis, that's a problem. But meanwhile, Mike Woodson had some some great things to say. First off, uh, he was asked about the IU-Kentucky rivalry and the schedule that they came up with with it coming back and, and why IU didn't get two games at Assembly Hall. Woodson said, that was the only way I could get it done. I appreciate his honesty there. Not that yeah. anyone's surprised by that, but at least he was honest. He didn't tiptoe around the conversation. Basically pointed at Kentucky as the only way they could get it done. And here's the thing. Calipari is probably not even going to be the head coach of Kentucky at that time. Probably not. But I've so, also said who knows if Mike Woodson's the head coach. That also time. true. Also true. Meanwhile, I think the notable exchange is that Mike Woodson finally learned about the Malik Renew burger, which is an NIL deal where uh, Malik Renew has a burger at Big Woods, which is like a, a restaurant. And I think like a dollar of every sale goes to, to charity. Anyway, Mike Woodson learned about the Malik Renew burger for the first time during Big Ten Media Day. And here's what he had to say about it. Here's the full exchange. About uh, Malik improving his body. I don't know if you, he has like a burger at Big Woods. I have you tried it? Where, what is that? Like a, <laughs> like Big Woods, a restaurant in Bloomington. Like through an NIL deal, he has his own burger. He has his own burger? Yeah, like named what after. What the hell? He, he, should he, he shouldn't be eating burgers. <laughs> is it a veggie burger or something? No, it's got bacon and cheese and 
stuff. Oh, so you telling on him then? So no, I, I thought you knew about it. I didn't mean to get him in trouble. <laughs> no, I didn't know about it. Oh, okay. I go to a certain, a few spots in Bloomington need. I don't know about all the other places. I yeah. guess the burger's working. Uh, I guess it's working. Well, it's, yeah, his, his body fat's down and he's trimmed down, so that hopefully he's not eating too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> Like, My favorite part is what's it saying? So you're telling on him. He's like, I thought you knew. <laughs> I mean, this has been all over the, the the press. I mean, we've covered it on the show here. It's so funny about co- what coaches are really paying attention to. We think the, we talk the important things on IL burgers, blah, blah blah. Mike Woodson's got bigger things to worry about than what his players are getting paid to endorse. But yeah, the funny he better not be eating many of those things. <laughs> <laughs> is it a veggie burger? Come on, <laughs> come on now. This is America. There's no veggie burgers. <laughs> it was a great exchange there. Also, um, Woodson noted that Kalel Ware, who missed the IU Pro Day on Friday with a shoulder injury, limited contact on Monday in practice, so he, he should be coming back. And we also got news that one of the top targets for IU on the recruiting board will make his announcement on Saturday. Class of 2024 five-star forward Liam McNeely. From Montverde Academy, which we all know because that's where Malik Renew went. That's where Jalen Hutchifino went. And uh, he will choose between IU and Kansas on Saturday. Obviously, Mike Woodson eventually has to sign a player in the class of 2024. Eventually. And this guy has been one of IU's top targets all along. So it would not be a a surprise if he chose the Hoosiers. Excuse me, I said Saturday. It's actually Sunday. This Sunday. He will make his decision. You hope at this point that IU can land a big, at least start getting the ball rolling for the class of 2025. Absolutely. So that's that's a look at what happened at IU on media day. Meanwhile, in Indiana High School basketball, uh, a school placed on probation. We'll explain why next. Here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. All right, so we have enough entries for exhibition. So I will pick a winner between the break. Um, we need a new code word, Justin, for... We need a new code yes. word. Uh, do we do hockey night? Yeah, let's do hockey night. I like hockey that. Hockey night. Hockey night. Again, just text hockey night to 46862. And you could also win a pair of tickets to the K's on Saturday nights at the Coliseum, our our pairs are running thin for Saturday. Now, we still have more for Sunday, so don't worry. We, we have plenty of tickets we're giving away all week long, but you can just text Hockey Night to 46862 and you'll be in the running. We'll, we'll pick a winner from both Exhibition, which we've closed that, and Hockey Night and hopefully have those winners for you uh, after the top of the hour. So I have a, a, a personal thing to talk about here. Yes. About Saturday night. We're talking about Saturday night, right? And so if you're going to the K's game, and again, 46862 Hockey Night, if you want to be eligible for those tickets. Text rolling in right now. Same time as Notre Dame, USC, right? So, yep. conversely, I get home yesterday and I am informed that Uh-oh. Saturday, Uh-oh. we are going out for our anniversary to dinner and a movie. My wife wants to see the new uh, Exorcist movie. So we're going to go. For your so, anniversary? That sounds not well. It's fun. better than a rom com. Tell you that. I'd much rather really? go to. Oh yeah, I'm not going to some romantic comedy for uh, as someone who does not like horror. You, films you don't like or, horror yeah, films, I, yeah? So. I, I like rom coms. I can sit through that and deal oh, with it. No, no, no. We're going to see The Exorcist. 
No, because <laughs> that adequately describes 15 years of marriage to each other <laughs> is the exercise. But anyway, so have my question is, have I already lost the opportunity? Because I didn't pref, I didn't come out and say a week ago, say, hey, Saturday night, because usually it's given Saturday is, is my day to, yeah, I'll do stuff around the house, but I watch college football. Okay. Schedule anything you want on Sunday. I'll take college over the NFL every day of the week. So is it too late for me to broach the subject of, hey, could we do this maybe next Saturday because it's not Notre Dame USC night? Or have I already lost that opportunity? And now that I've been told this is what we're doing, I have no shot. Well, does it have to be on a Saturday? Could you do it Friday? Could well, Fridays are usually football night. They're football nights, high school. So I mean, could, I'm usually busy take- then. Oh, I guess you're busy this Friday. I know you have yeah, obligations I'm doing, I'm Friday. Doing color on the That's 1380. Right. That's right. For Laura's Homestead. Uh, what about like Sunday? Sunday's Sunday? tough because you're getting ready for the the week for school for Noah mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. So I guess you could do it Sunday afternoon, maybe. But uh, it also like you can do the, the movie first and then the then dinner. Correct. Or yeah, that which is that which is what ideal for me. But um. Maybe this is what I could do. Maybe we do the movie first, and then when we're eating, we go to a place where there are TVs. That could Ooh. be a potential play. Mm. You don't think I can get away with that? Uh, here's the thing. If, I, I know myself, and if I'm in a restaurant with lots of TVs and there are sports on, I will look. Well, yeah, I'm going to look. My wife will be like, hey... I get it. Just snap like, at you and say, like, hey, if, if it's right just like a casual dinner, like we, we went out, you know, last Saturday and got wings, had a good time. I'm like and glancing up at the TVs. And, and of course, I couldn't watch the Purdue game because it's on Peacock. And uh, while I was there, I was watching on my phone before our table is ready. Yeah. Um, but like, like I get a pass for that. But like for an anniversary dinner, I would not get a pass for that. But but here's the thing, though. You got to factor in my wife. Like every dinner we go to is casual dinner. We can't go to classy restaurants because my wife only likes chicken fi- chicken wings or or chicken tenders. Yeah. And mozzarella sticks. She's she's 11 years old. Is basically what she is, <laughs> in terms of her palate. And so my wife used to get chicken tenders everywhere, and then like the somehow she developed a sensitivity to something like with the like the oil or whatever. Really? So they're like, she can have Culver's chicken tenders or chicken finger, but like, that's about it. Like that's she can't it? have fried chicken anymore. Really? Like she gets sick. That's yeah. terrible. Yeah. So it's not like we can go to some swanky restaurant anyway, because she won't eat anything. So we will be at a casual restaurant. Anyway, I'm thinking you, we go and hit up Jefferson point, in the movie, and then go to beer barrel. Right yeah. There. Yeah. That's a good vibe. So that's my hope. But, um, when I was told, yesterday or the day before i can't remember that this is what we were doing on saturday i think i've lost all chance of watching that game at home which you know could be good could be bad we'll see i would just reschedule but like I, like when when is your anniversary when was your anniversary my our anniversary is the 18th oh well then so you have another, i could reschedule yeah, just do it next weekend just say uh-huh. hey could we do this if, like notre dame has a bye next week for example yeah it's true, but there may be another like game I, that night I want to watch. My wife is usually okay if I just tell her in advance, hey, I want to watch this game. But that's the thing. I didn't in advance, so I've already lost my opportunity. Yeah, but it's still in advance. It's Wednesday. It's not It's not like the day of or the day before. True. Uh, CK, Exorcist is four thumbs down. Don't waste your money. See, there you go. Text my wife and tell her that. <laughs> uh, also, CK, Justin, do you, do you wear the pants? That's the first question. I absolutely do not. Okay. Um, I am... I'm. I, I sleep there 
Um, I, I eat there sometimes I help take care of the kids, but that's about it. I have no power whatsoever. And you know what? I'm comfortable with that. But for, for at least this, this time on, on Saturday, um, I'd prefer to be home, but I don't know what next week entails. Or what if there's a, a big game next Saturday in prime time? There's a big game every, like, that's the thing. That's probably what my (laughs) wife would say. So next week, next week is probably Utah USC uh, is a night game. So you're talking Saturday night, right? The 21st. Yep. So you have, uh, let's see here. No, there's really nothing, but I don't think the game times have been set because no, but the eight o'clock Fox game is Utah USC for the 21st. Uh, okay. But probably other other games will will switch to prime time. That's the thing is that's to be her thing that the, every week there seems to be a big game. Tennessee watch. Alabama is I think an earlier kick if I'm not mistaken. Penn State Ohio State's a noon kick. We know Michigan Michigan State's a seven thirty. Yeah, so I mean Utah USC I would sacrifice to not watch that personally. We'll see what I can pull up. But yeah, in terms of of pants, where no, I have no power. <laughs> absolutely zero power whatsoever at home. And yeah, celebrating 15 years of that this week, next week. There you go. I Congrats. Guess. Yeah. Well, we haven't made it yet. Still another week to go for 15 years. <laughs> we'll see if she kicks me out. <laughs> well, if you just ask today, you might be able to get that move because again, you could say it'd, it'd be closer to our anniversary. I wouldn't be distracted by this game at dinner. Here's the worst like, thing. Frame it that way. Here's the worst thing. The Exorcist movie is an hour and 51 minutes. That's almost two hours of an Exorcist. Like, give me a solid hour and a half, and I'm fine. Give me zero minutes <laughs> of that. <laughs> but, man, that's, a, that's an investment. But uh, I'll keep you updated on see what happens, see if I get out of this. You should be able to get out of it. Yeah, well, maybe. you should be able to push it back, not get out of it, because that's not the right it's not the right phrase. <laughs> I, yeah, I shouldn't say, how do I get out of this? Or tell her, I don't, I, I want to get <laughs> out of There are ways to get out of it, but I don't think you want yeah, to go that route. I don't know if I want to take route. those routes. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> 46862, again, the text line number 46862. Hockey night is your uh, keywords for more Comets exhibition tickets on Saturday night. Meanwhile, uh, in Indiana High School, placed on probation for recruiting. We talk about this all the time with private schools. Well, ironically, it is a private school. Heritage Christian School in Indianapolis. All their varsity boys basketball wins from 21-22 and 22-23 seasons have been vacated. Now they won a whopping 23-24 and during that time frame. Uh, The IHSAA says it's due to undue influence in recruiting students and added also recruiting students who are ineligible for having a pass link to the receiving school. So what does that mean? I I imagine that means that let's say the coach, whoever that is, it was Warren Wallace. And then he left mid season last year. Um, Let's say he has coached a kid in AAU or something like that or whatever. And if the, if the IHSAA can prove that the relationship was there prior to him wanting to transfer to heritage Christian, then that's an issue. But here's the thing. And I'm not saying this is this is against the rule because you have, let's say, Katie Jackson at Northrop. Like she, she knows a lot of these girls that come to Northrop through AAU. But that's not the, like what's the difference? And I'm not saying Katie Jackson's doing anything wrong because it's natural if you're involved in the AAU world that 
girls or boys are going to want to go play for you. So why is it, what did they do at Heritage Christian that was so blatant is my question. And that's kind of the annoying thing is you don't really know. Yeah, that's the detail that was not released. So they get a year of probation. They can't host IHSAA state tournament events in, in basketball. They also have to forfeit revenue that they earned uh, from IHSA tournament games held at the school over the past two seasons. Now, this this story does not specify is that just for boys basketball or is that I think it's just boys sports? basketball. I would assume boys basketball. Heritage Christian girls basketball have been good for quite some time. Yes, yes. But the boys, and then this is the thing, like they weren't even that good. And that was when they had Miles Colvin for some of that time, right? So it's <laughs> like you you apparently cheated enough for IHSAA to put you on their radar and you weren't that good. <laughs> this is pretty wild. But um proof that if if you if you are so blatant in what you do in terms of trying to recruit talent to your school, eventually the IHSAA will come down hard on you. But what they're accusing Heritage Christian of seemingly happens a lot at a bunch of different places. Meanwhile, one more quick note before we wrap up the hour. Uh, Oklahoma players posted on social media some horns down tattoos like on their thighs. Uh, oh, after, yeah, I did yeah. see that. So linebackers Danny Stutzman and Jaron Kanick uh, posted on social media. It turns out they were it was fake. Like it, they they got, a, they ah, got, got people you. riled up. Uh, CK, Not real. CK, this is a joke. Northside did this for years. Northrop girls, Wayne boys, they're all doing it. It's about who you piss off and who they know, whether it's illegal or not. Well, you got to prove it first. Northside and Northrop, sometimes it's just they want to go play for those coaches. Or the kids are luring other kids. It's not blatant in terms of the coaches going out and doing it. But if they are doing it, you have to be smart enough to not have a paper trail or texts or whatever. And that's imagine what got a Heritage Christian in trouble. It's, it's the same thing when people go to transfer and let's say you're going public to private, private to public. The only thing you need to say is God. And there's no comeback for that. The IJSW cannot challenge that. Either you fell in love with religion, you fell out of love with religion. That's what you use to go public to private, private to public. But if you start mouthing off about athletics or the coach wasn't giving my kid playing time or blah, 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 or we want to go play for a winner, that's when it becomes aware that you're probably transferring for the wrong reasons. So just keep your mouth shut fill out the paperwork and go to your new school. But if you start blatantly talking about it, that's when it becomes a concern. That's when school starts going, you know what? We're not going to sign off on this. And that's when it becomes an issue. It's funny that the athletics part, like that's a factor in most other States. The people are like, Oh yeah, makes sense. They just let it go. Right. <laughs> it's just like, eh, yeah, trust me. The IT, we've talked about this before. The IHSAA is zero time to deal with hundreds, if not thousands of transfer in the state okay Correct. they have better things to do so if you're sly about it if you just go about things the quote-unquote right way and keep your mouth shut chances are you'll be able to transfer okay coming up on the other side we'll talk purdue ohio state is it time for purdue to maybe consider a quarterback change we'll ask a kyle charters of saturday tradition about that and more Coming up after the top of the hour here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two, Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. This hour on the show, we'll talk with Kyle Charters of 
Saturday tradition covering Purdue. We'll talk with him shortly. Plus, James Franklin calls out IU's non-conference scheduling. And Jonathan Taylor now listed as the RB1 on the Colts depth chart. What does it mean for Sunday? And don't worry, more Bear stories. Uh, A Florida Bear accused of theft. We'll give you the details before we wrap up uh, this hour on the show. 46862 is your text line number. 46862. Time for another code word to give away Comets exhibition tickets for this weekend. Uh, Congrats to Tim and Dan. Our winners in hour number one going to the Comets game on Saturday. Just a couple of Saturday tickets left before we transition to Sunday tickets. Um, but let's let's see. We've we've used Iowa. We've used Heartlanders. We've used Exhibition. We've used Hockey Night. What's what, what's a, another code word? Let's use icing. Icing. All right. Text icing to four six eight six two, and you'll be in the running. For a pair of tickets to see the Comets and Heartlanders Saturday night at the Coliseum in their first exhibition game coming up this weekend. Again, icing to 46862. Meanwhile, joining us on the guest line, Kyle Charters, who covers Purdue for Saturday Tradition. Kyle, thanks for coming on with us this morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Appreciate it. So it, it was a tough outing for the Boilers at Iowa. Uh, defensively, it's, it's not been the issue for Purdue, at least against Iowa, but offensively they really struggled. And, and as good as Iowa's defense and special teams are, we know their challenge on offense. Um, is there any pressure building on, on Hudson Card as far as how he struggled offensively and, and maybe even considering a quarterback change at this point? No, I don't think so. I think that what Purdue needs to do is do something to help Hudson Card. I mean, he was just under assault for most of that game. And while he probably could have made better decisions, I think there were instances in which he probably could have tucked the ball and run a little bit more, been more aggressive in the ground game, which we have seen him do at times this year. I just think it's hard to to be overly critical. Certainly can be critical, but to be overly critical of Hudson Clark, considering uh, that he was just trying to escape the pocket seemingly after every snap. So, I think what Purdue needs to do is help him out. I mean, uh, whether that's just simply getting better offensive line play, which is going to be a challenge uh, certainly this weekend, uh, moving the pocket a little bit, uh, you know, trying to go to a uh, sped up, quick passing game. I'm not really sure, you know, what the answers are. People are paid a lot more money than me to, to figure those things out, but it just seems to me that Purdue's got to do something to try to keep Hudson Card upright more often than not. And when you look at that offensive front, it, it's just showing its, I think, lack of depth. You've had a couple injuries, some key injuries, too. Is is that a definite issue, or, or was this offensive front maybe not as, as strong as some people thought to begin with? Well, it was probably, not probably, it was definitely being rebuilt uh, during the offseason. Pretty well, fortunately, lost three projected starters, uh, two of whom had uh, started uh, multiple seasons for Purdue in the transfer portal, portal during the offseason. Now you try to fill with other guys through the portal, uh, but you never know for sure uh, how those guys are going to be. And some of them have been fine, but, you know, it's it's always a better scenario if you can, you know, roll your offensive line at least three or four starters over from the, the previous season. And Purdue just wasn't able uh, to do that. Now injuries have also uh, been a factor for Purdue. And, and now another injury uh, appears to be a factor for Purdue with Marcus Bowe, the right tackle, probably Purdue's best offensive lineman, maybe most versatile offensive lineman. 
I assume out looked like a pretty significant injury that he suffered against Iowa late in that game. So you're going to scramble yet again. But it's really been the interior of the line. You know, Gus Hartwig, the center, a Remington Trophy finalist, or whatever you call it, uh, watch list. Uh, missed the first few games coming back from a knee injury. You know, is he 100% yet? Probably not, though he's playing pretty well, it seems like. Um, and the two guards are new. Uh, so, you know, that's really been part of the issue. Now they were fine against Illinois, but Illinois was Illinois. Um, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin are a, a little bit of a different story, and certainly Ohio State is probably a notch above those two as well. So I don't know what the fix is. Um, you might have to try to do something schematically, roll the pocket, throw the ball quickly, establish a running game, uh, you know, do all those things to try to help out that offensive line and pass protection. Kyle, when you look at the injuries, too, you saw uh, Max Clare go down. You you have uh, Tracy that was hurt uh, early, Tyrone mm-hmm. Tracy. Uh, also, uh, Marquise Wilson, the corner. What are their status? Any of those guys expected to play this week? I think Clare is done for the year is what I heard. Yeah, I think there's a possibility that Clare could come back late in the season, maybe. It sounds like uh, Wilson is is out for at least a number of weeks. Perhaps he could come back late in the year. I don't know what the status of Tracy is uh, at this point. That would be an unfortunate injury. Obviously, he got off to such a great start this year. But, yeah, the injuries are, are mounting for Purdue a little bit. And, unfortunately, you know, Purdue's just in a situation where it does not have an overwhelming uh, amount of depth, really, at, at any position. Maybe the defensive line, uh, it, it has uh, some, some room to lose a guy. Uh, but that might be about it. Um, Purdue just doesn't have. I mean, they, you know, they had to reload from a roster perspective during the off season with the coaching change. I think they have upwards of 40 new players between you know high school recruited players and the portal. Uh, some of that was to be expected. Uh, just looking at the roster, even had Jeff Brom stayed at Purdue, uh, but then you know you have some departures with the coaching change that are you know to be expected and. And you end up in a situation where you're really just reloading the roster. And uh, unfortunately for Purdue, uh, that has come with challenges. Now, they, they're 2-4, and four, but they also have had a chance to win, what, at least two of those games, maybe three, um, and just haven't found a way to do so. I don't think there was any more frustrating game uh, than Saturday. I mean, you lost to a quarterback who really struggled to throw the ball and Deacon Hill, and it's just a frustrating game to lose. But Iowa does that to you. Uh, they just, they just do. Um, they win on defense and special teams, and you know maybe there wasn't any more prime example of that than on Saturday. Kyle, when you look at the matchup uh, at noon against Ohio State, when you look at the benefits of playing at noon as opposed to prime time, well, of course we remember five years ago with with Purdue beating Ohio State in prime time. Is does this feed into Purdue's ability to maybe catch Ohio State off guard at noon kickoff? Does it is it not conducive to success with Ross Aid? You don't have a whole day of of uh, fans getting excited and getting sauced before the before the game. <laughs> can can Ross Aid be dynamic enough? I guess is my question at high noon to be an impactful atmosphere early on in this game. Oh, I, I don't know. Perhaps I, I mean I think that. More than any of that, it's going to be the X's and O's and, and, and the players who, who decided on Saturday. Um, you know, but Purdue 
has had success against Ohio State. I, you know, it's it's you know, while Purdue has struggled against uh, Wisconsin, uh, for instance, uh, maybe even Minnesota uh, to some extent, and, and clearly Michigan and some of the other teams in the East, they have had success against Ohio State. Not just the Tyler Trent game five years ago, but you can really go back the last couple of decades, and, and you know, Purdue has one of the better records against Ohio State, and that has even improved. You know, in Ross Aid Stadium. Uh, what does that mean for three days from now? Um, I don't know. Uh, this is a different matchup with different teams and, and, and different coaches, too. So we will see. But um, Purdue's played well against them, and maybe that does, for whatever reason, give the Boilermakers a little bit of confidence headed into this one. And, you know, Ohio State's been good, obviously, this year. They, they have shown some. I don't even know if vulnerability is the the right word, but they have shown some area where uh, they've they've let teams hang with them. I mean, you know, the Maryland game turns into a 20-point game at the end, but the Terps were there. Uh, Now Maryland's probably a better team than Purdue, but Purdue has them at home. Um, You know, so maybe there's some avenues there that Purdue tries to exploit. uh, uh, But, man, they're really going to be tested by Marvin Harrison and, and, you know, Ohio State's offense and, you know, obviously the Buckeyes are going to be big and skilled and physical and, and fast on defense, too. So it's going to be quite the challenge. Kyle Charters of Saturday Tradition joining us on the guest line. You mentioned Ohio State has been good. One area where I, it's, I guess, a cause for concern if you're an Ohio State fan and an opportunity if you're a Purdue fan is that Ohio State's had some some slow starts on the season. Yeah. Uh, McCord sacked a, a trio of times in the game Against Maryland, they didn't have their first offensive touchdown until about halfway in the third quarter of that game. He, he started two of his, his first seven passes. So there's an opportunity with McCord uh, as far as maybe scoring early if you're Purdue and see if McCord is rattled a bit, especially on a road environment. Is that kind of the the recipe for success if you're Purdue? Is you have to get off to a fast start on Saturday? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that's a recipe for success in any game because if there's one thing that Purdue has done well, consistently well at the start of the season, it's run the football, and which is a little bit uh, anti-Purdue, right? I mean, it's pretty atypical for the Boilermakers, but they've really run the ball well. So if you can get a lead uh, and and lean in on that running game with you know Devin Mockaby and and Tyrone Tracy when he was healthy, and then Dylan Downing, who's a good third back uh, as well, Hudson Card, you know, running the football. Uh, a little bit as well, uh, then that's really where, where you can have some success. Um, but yeah, Purdue's got to be able to do that. I mean, the other thing that, you know, perhaps, I don't know if you believe in this kind of thing, but this would be, I mean, the absolute traditional trap game for the Buckeyes, right? I mean, Penn State at home next week on the road at Wisconsin the week after that for Ohio State. So uh, I don't know if I believe in such things, but. If there is such thing as a trap game, this is it for Ohio State, and and maybe the combination of Ohio State's slow starts uh, here this season, and you know just sort of the fact that that maybe they're overlooking Purdue a little bit gives the Boilermakers an early boost in this one and helps keep them in it for a while. Um, you know that's just sort of speculation. Don't know if it'll actually play out that way, but but maybe uh, that's an avenue for Purdue to hang in there into the second half, and then if you can do that, you know knows what happens. Kyle, when you look at the keys to Purdue staying in this game and potentially uh, picking up the upset, is it that offensive line? Is it being able to 
open up holes in the run game and protecting Hudson Card? Yeah, I mean, there's a whole litany of things you could you could <laughs> go through here. But yes, you, you've named a couple of them. I mean, they, they cannot turn the ball over, um, which you know has been a problem, um, a pretty glaring problem at times for Purdue. Just cannot give away extra possessions to Ohio State. I mean, you just you're not going to win football games against really anybody like that. But you're certainly not going to beat. Uh, the Buckeyes by doing that, you, you got to keep a uh, Hudson card upright. I mean, it just seems, it seems to me that he makes good decisions when he is not under duress. And that's, that's pretty much typical for anybody. Right. But um, there were just some instances against Iowa where he just felt like, man, this is just not, not, not going the way he wants it to go, nor anybody really wants it to go, you know, uh, being flushed out of the pocket, sort of throwing a ball behind you to, to, to avoid the sack and, um, you know, things like that where you're just like, there's no way this is actually what he wants to be happening uh, right now. So you've got to get, get him a clean pocket, give him time to, to make throws because he is a good thrower of the football, um, you know, gets it to the place where it's supposed to go on time, uh, seems to make good decisions in the, in the passing game where he gets himself in trouble is, is when there's pressure on him. And so you've got to be able to keep him upright. And then defensively, um, you know, you've just got to be able to, to to not give up big plays. I mean, all the typical things. Purdue's been okay defensively. I mean, I, I, you know, the numbers don't really bear uh, out that, that Purdue's been all that good. But I think Purdue has had instances where they have played uh, solid defensively. And, um, you know, we'll see what they're able to put together this weekend. Kyle Charters joining us. Uh, one of the key players, I think, for Purdue that they got to get the football uh, to a lot more. Deion Burks, the receiver who was yep. huge in, in that opening game against Fresno State, has been somewhat limited since. Uh, how do they find a way to get him more than his typical four or five catches? Yeah, that's a good question. I think Purdue's got to try to set him up as, as often as possible uh, because he's the one guy in the passing game that has the speed and can be dynamic enough to, to score pretty much anytime he's got the ball in his hand. The other two receivers, the primary receivers, um, you know, are, are, are quality receivers, probably not with the game-breaking uh, speed uh, that Burks has. So, I mean, I, you know, we saw in the um, Illinois game in the red zone, Purdue sort of run the, the toss sweep to him. Um, to get him the ball in one instance and him beat everyone to the to the pylon for a touchdown, um, I, I think Purdue's got to do more of that, lining him up in different spots to try to get advantageous matchups. Um, you know, sort of use him in the same way that Purdue used Rondell Moore back in the day, and, and very uh, efficiently, obviously, in the Ohio State game five years ago. So, uh, ever since that Fresno game, defenses clearly are aware of who he is. Um, and are bracketing him and trying to limit his touches as much, much, as, much as possible. And Purdue's just got to find a way uh, to get him the ball because he's really the guy. I mean, he's the guy who can, who can take it to the house anytime he's got it. Kyle, before we let you go, talk a little Purdue basketball as Big Ten Media Day the other day. Boilers, uh, an overwhelming favorite in the unofficial official Big Ten preseason media poll. Uh, but yeah. for Purdue, it is... Is there a sense that the fan base is maybe, I don't want to say they don't care about the Big Ten slate, but is it 
all the focus going to be on March and, and what Purdue does in the tournament in this upcoming season? Your your sense is very good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no one cares. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's it's going to be a weird season, and that um, we're just all focused on March, and it's just a reality of the situation for Purdue, and it has put itself in this spot that you know the regular season certainly matters, and the Big Ten championships matter, and. You know, playing well in December does matter. But everything is going to be focused on those first couple of rounds of the NCAA tournament. And if if Purdue can get over the hump and give itself an opportunity, uh, then headed deeper into March to get to a Final Four. I mean, it's everyone's goal. It's Purdue's goal. It's Matt Painter's goal. It's the players' goal. I'll tell you, it's going to be a weird storyline when you start to get to February and March and tournament time for Purdue. Uh, You know, the physical aspects of basketball are not going to matter as much for this Boilermaker team as the mental hurdle that they're going to have to get over. They're going to be in a first-round game against a double-digit seed. It's um, it would it would. I don't. It would take some sort of injury or or epic collapse for them not to be. You know what? A, a one through five seed um, in the in the NCAA tournament, right? I mean, they're probably a one or two seed. You would think maybe a three if things don't go as well. But so they're going to play somebody, and um, that's going to be interesting to see. You know, if they're challenged in that game, what happens? Uh, because clearly, in the second half of the Fairleigh Dickinson thing game, the things that happened were not good. Uh, you know, players just sort of turtle shelled a little bit um, in that game and, and didn't want to shoot and, and shied away from from uh, what was happening. And so, uh, yeah, here we are in October, and we're already talking about it. Uh, the season hasn't even started, and that's going to be topic number one every day. <laughs> and Purdue's got Purdue's to get used to it because it's, it's the reality, and they've sort of set themselves up for that, unfortunately. Kyle, as always, appreciate the time, and we'll look for your work on uh, Saturday tradition and and keep in touch as there are more storylines around Purdue with the football season and the Boilers making a push for a bowl game and, of course, basketball coming up next month. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. As Kyle Charters joining us, coming up on the other side, James Franklin is mad about a Big Ten team's non-conference schedule. Unfortunately, he's mad about the wrong team. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, you're on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. 46862 is how you get in touch with us on the text line. Again, 46862. Still giving away a pair of tickets to the Comets, the Iowa Heartlanders this Saturday night at the Coliseum. Just text ICING. The 46862, you'll be in the running for those who will pick a winner at the end of the show. Again, congrats to our Hour 1 winners, Dan and Tim. They uh, won a pair of tickets to the Comets coming up this Saturday. What's your favorite flavor of icing? Ooh, that's a good question. Where if it's in the fridge or in the cupboard, you're like, I'm, I'm putting my finger in this. So if it's just traditional icing, whew, man. Chocolate or vanilla? Man, I can't even decide between those two. <laughs> um, I don't like the like I like the I like cream cheese icing personally. Okay. So like I love red velvet cake with like the cream cheese icing. Love yeah. that. 
uh, or carrot cake with cream cheese icing. Those are two of my favorite cake flavors. Uh, but if it's like, I don't like the, the so-called wedding cake, you know, icing. Yeah, where it's kind of thick and flavorless, kind of dry. Yeah, and there's a hell of a lot of it. Yes. Uh, I prefer maybe just like the, the regular, so like the regular vanilla that you get in like the tub. Yeah. I, the I'd say probably that. What about you? Um, Like the Funfetti is really good. Yeah. Cookies and cream icing Ooh. is good. Uh, There's like uh, the... the like cherry out there it used to be like cherry cherry yeah i've not i've not had cherry ice i don't know if it's back in the day like my my family would make like like white cake with bits of like cherry flavor in there and then uh-huh. the cherry icing and it was really good but i don't even know if they have cherry icing anymore but uh yeah the and you know the traditional vanilla will have a giant finger now i used to do like when we were kids like if you put a finger in it it's obvious but if you get a spoon, yes, and then you get some, and then you can like even it out, whatever, so it doesn't look like you know they have a big gob of finger in there. Yes, spoon is the way to go. I am a person who will often eat like a spoonful of peanut butter before I go to bed, Dude, like if I'm hungry and I need a snack. Yeah. My, I had a babysitter back in the day that for snack, she would line the kids up and hand us each a spoon of peanut butter. <laughs> that would be our snack. That's awesome. And that's why even today I have the hankering sometimes of doing that and just having a, a spoonful of peanut butter. And, and usually it's like a, a decent serving, but sometimes I I just go all out and get a ridiculous <laughs> get amount. Even, yes. You get like a mixing spoon size. Well, no, I <laughs> take a regular spoon. spoon and just get as much yeah, as, as I can on the scoop out can. of the peanut butter. Yes. I have find nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Do you think James Franklin spoons out his peanut butter? If I know James Franklin like I think I do, yes, he does. I, I think he does, too. So James Franklin, Penn State head coach, is upset, saying one team in the Big Ten uh, is, is scheduling weaker non-conference games. He was asked if scheduling weaker non-conference games would go away with college football playoff expansion, and he said, there's a team specifically in this conference buying out of a ton of game contracts to go the complete opposite way. Now, initially, people thought, oh, is it Michigan? Because right. you look at their non-conference schedule over the years, and I mean, you look at what Michigan football is scheduled this year alone for non-conference games, it was a joke. I mean, they've been essentially scheduling nobodies for their non-conference for several years now. This year, it was East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. Uh, you look at what they've done in, in previous years, so last year, it was Colorado State, Hawaii, and Yukon, which Yukon actually went to a bowl, and they were not a dumpster fire like they normally are. Now, in 21, I'll give them credit, it was Western Michigan, Washington, and Northern Illinois, so they at least had something on there. But Washington wasn't the Washington no. of what they are right now. No, no, no. They certainly were not. And then you go back to 2019, you had Middle Tennessee, Army, and Notre Dame, so they're actually... You know, they used to at least have one game that was notable. They often play Notre Dame. I mean, they played Notre Dame in 2018, for example. I mean, going back the years, they at least had one decent game on the schedule. But anymore, it's just gimme games. Now, it was not Michigan, though, that James Franklin was complaining about. It's IU. And yes, did IU buy out their Louisville contract so they don't have to play Louisville next year? Yes, they did. But what other contracts have they bought out? 
I, I don't know. Was that, it the Cincinnati? Did they buy out of the Cincinnati? No, they, that was a they Just played a both games. Game? No, that was two games. Was it two? Yeah. So I, I don't know what James Franklin's talking about the multiple buyouts. Yeah, I, maybe I, he's talking about multiple buyouts of games with Louisville. I don't know, or that they're looking to buy out more games in particular. But here, here's my thing. If you're going to be critical of a program, be critical of Michigan. Yeah, right. Don't be critical of Indiana. I mean, like, I was just trying to do what it needs. Like, unless he's still bitter about the the Penix pylon in uh, 2020. I mean, if that if that's what he's he's mad about, that's fine. Just admit it. But beyond that, I mean, I was trying to get to a bowl game. I mean, you look at Penn State and their non-con schedule. So this year, West Virginia uh, renewing a rivalry, and then Delaware. And then they have UMass, okay? They have one game and then two gimmies. You look at next year, again, they open with West Virginia. You have Bowling Green and Kent State. So a couple of MAC schools. So yeah, like, it's give- not like their non-conference schedule is super tough. In 25, they have Nevada and Villanova, and then the, the rest to be determined because of changes in Big Ten scheduling. But, I mean, it's not like they're scheduling you know these huge games in the non-conference either. Now, I will give Michigan credit. Next year, it steps up. So they have Fresno State. Then they have Texas. We get, or the year after that, 25, they go to Oklahoma in their non-conference. Year after that, they host Oklahoma. In 2027, they go to Texas. So it gets better for Michigan. But if we're looking at just this season, Michigan's non-conference is terrible. And that's why we have... So many questions about Michigan, even now in mid-October, because we just don't know how good they are because of the absurdity of their non-conference. Now, here's a stat for Michigan, and I get it. They haven't played anywhere close to a gauntlet of a schedule. Their defense uh, has not had to defend a first and goal this season. No one has run a play inside their 10-yard line. (laughs) I know, and it's, it's, it's... it's tough. You can go both ways. You can say, oh, that they're that good, or oh, they haven't played anybody. And I don't know what's true, and we don't know what's true, and we won't know after this week. Probably won't know after Michigan State. Probably be till Penn State. Which, luckily, when we look at Michigan's schedule next year, we look at, okay, we'll know about Michigan earlier, because you'll have Texas on the schedule. But even then, you have their their final four games. Actually, these are TBA games. We don't know the, the order of this, but you could you have Oregon, USC, Ohio State, Washington, all conference games. That's what I'm talking about. So Michigan won't be able to duck anybody starting next year. And, and here's the thing. I was just trying to get to bull eligibility. So if I'm James Franklin, like yeah, why do you read, have a problem the room? With- why do you have a like, problem with IU trying I, I, to get the bowl eligible? I, I get like, that the... IU has Florida International, Charlotte. They they are not doing the Louisville game next year. My guess is that they could slot in like an Indiana State or someone like that. Like they're just trying to get three wins. They have in in Louisville that was bought out for several years. So they have IU has Indiana State and Old Dominion in twenty five. Uh, you look at twenty twenty six, and they have Colorado State, Ball State, and UConn. So like they're just trying to get wins on the schedule. They basically need to set themselves up where they can start 3-0 and and hope and pray that they can get three more Big Ten wins the rest of the way. But here's my thing with, is he upset because they play Indiana State? Because Penn State plays Delaware. Yeah, right. That's an FCS school. Exactly. I, I just, I don't get the double standard here. And also, like it's it's one thing to kick on a program when they're down, and IU's certainly been down. It's been down for 
most of a long time outside of a couple good seasons in, in the last five years. But like if you're Penn State, maybe focus on, you know, finally winning the Big Ten and, you know, actually doing, doing something. something with all the hype that you get every year. Look, this is the year for Penn State. Like this is their opportunity to make the college football playoff. I get it that Michigan and Ohio State are both really good, but Michigan and Ohio State will play each other. Uh probably, you know, one of those teams will eliminate themselves and Penn State has an opportunity. They have an opportunity this year. And you you feel good about the opportunity that they have because Penn State, or excuse me, Ohio State's working in a new quarterback. And while he's been solid, he's clearly not been some sort of game breaker, right? I mean, he's had his struggles. And Penn State, as a, a quarterback, they're working in who came in with a lot of hype, obviously, and, and he's been good. But again, this is their year to have an opportunity to do something in the Big Ten. And it feels like we say that every so many years, but this is this is the chance. And for everything that he's talking about with this, go out and win something. Yeah, I, I like, don't, don't know. Don't beat up on a Utah team in, in, in the Rose. Like, go make a college football playoff. I don't know how James Franklin, with a straight face, can throw IU under the bus when he's playing Delaware and UMass. Right? This year. UMass okay. is perhaps the worst team in FBS. Like, seriously. The worst program. You're the one throwing rocks at glass houses here, talking about scheduling UMass and Delaware. I'll give you credit for West Virginia, uh, but, the, but you know, if that was at home. So uh, let, let's stop with criticizing everybody else's non-conference and look in the mirror, or at the very least, look at Michigan. But seriously, look in the mirror, James Franklin. Your schedule non-conference is trash. Let alone playing the UMass game before Ohio State. I mean, that's some SEC grade oh, yeah. tune-up After level. a bye week, even. So last yeah. week, they're on a bye. Then they play UMass. Yeah, that's setting yourself up to be at max strength for Ohio State. And I, and I get it. Like you, you want to give yourself the best opportunity. Well, that's but. that's playing games with your schedule to give you the best opportunity. It's exactly the same thing Indiana's doing. Correct. So what's the difference? Is Penn State setting it themselves up to play the top teams on their schedule at the most opportune times? Indiana's goal is let's find a way to find wins anywhere we can, and that's how Indiana rolls. So what's the difference? I don't understand it. Yeah, I I don't either. I mean, if you're going to be critical of anyone, be critical of Michigan for not even playing anyone of strength out of conference this year or last year for that matter. Right. I I I don't understand it. 46862 your text line number 46862. Someone asked smooth or crunchy in reference to our oh, peanut gotta go butter. Right? Got to go smooth. No, yes. no, no. crunchy. No crunchy. Weird. Get out of here. If you trying to to spread crunchy peanut butter on bread, it's impossible. Does not work. No. Toast, different story. Yes. No, you, no, no crunchy. Smooth. Also, don't forget, you can text ICING to 46862, being the running for a pair of tickets. See the Comets against Iowa Saturday night at the Coliseum in preseason game number one. Again, just text ICING to 46862. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. More tickets giveaway, though, Thursday and Friday as well. And also on the Sports Rush, Brett Rump giving away four packs all week long. As well. Coming up on the other side, Jonathan Taylor now listed as RB1 on the Colts depth chart. What will the pitch count be on Sunday? We'll debate that next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny. A couple of texts rolling in at 46862 about the 
James Franklin being upset with IU buying out of uh, their non non conference games with Louisville. So uh, the the first text coming. The problem is they have to do this years in advance to set up the schedule, so it doesn't always pan out to work to the benefit of playing a tough schedule. Yes, these I mean. Games have been scheduled for like 2033 already for teams. <laughs> yeah, but when you're looking at UMass and Delaware, you can't schedule those games and say, oh, yeah, in 2023, they could be good. No. Yeah. Uh, someone else, it sounds to me like he is in James Franklin, had more of an issue with IU buying out their contract with Louisville than having a weak non-conference schedule to begin with. But don't the two go hand in hand? I, I guess that's the way I look at it. IU's doing what it needs to do to be as relevant as possible and Penn State's doing that too. There's no like, coincidence that they're doing a bye week and then UMass before Ohio State. My biggest thing is why is he worried about IU when the team he should be calling out is Michigan? Why is he yeah, why is he even worried about either one of them at this point? Yes. Go out <laughs> and win your own games. And, and I know he was answered to ask worry about ask UMass, question, but I I don't know. You're you're that upset about IU being buying out Louisville and let's be clear when this when this announcement was made, nobody really cared. But now Louisville is six and zero, and everybody looks at it as IU ducking a really good team. I mean, Louisville could conceivably this could be Syracuse two point and lose the rest of their games. Who knows? Yeah, their their schedule. It's I mean, they still have what Duke and Florida State right left on the schedule. There's uh, ACC's no joke this year. But I just I don't know why you're hating on IU for doing what it needs to do when. You do the very same thing in terms of manipulating for your schedule for what you need. Also, the news of IU uh, buying out of their future games with Louisville, like when it came out, uh, what, a month or so ago, like right around the time of the game, that had already been known since like the summer. Yeah. And then suddenly it popped back up and everyone was outraged all of a sudden. Yeah. Whatever happens all the time. Yeah. I just find that. buying out contracts for different reasons. Yes. Find that interesting. Uh, meanwhile, the Colts have promoted Jonathan Taylor to RB1 on the depth chart. Uh, Zach Moss demoted after his career-high 165 yards on Sunday to go along with two touchdowns in Jonathan Taylor's um, NFL season debut. Taylor, uh, the Colts said he'd be on a pitch count. So, on one hand, the Colts have a luxury of a great one-two punch at running back. Like, what is the the carry amount? If he's truly on a pitch count, they'll ramp him up over the next handful of games. They just promoted him to the the top guy in the depth chart, so clearly he's getting more than the what he had. Was it four or five carries last week? So clearly he's going to get more. Are we talking ten, fifteen? Like where are we at with this? I as many as he can handle, and maybe after last week, and he had a conversation with Shane Steichen, and said, you know what, but what he's ready to go. It all depends on how good of shape he kept himself in while he was on the pup list or whatever was going on with that. Of course, if the, if they said, well, we're going to monitor this, this injury that supposedly was a thing with the ankle, maybe that's a hundred percent. I have no problem with him being RB one. And if my thing is, if he's being paid a lot of money to go out and perform, if he thinks he's ready and the Colts thinks he's ready, then I'm perfectly fine with him being the top running. But let's be real though. Zach Moss is still going to get his fair share of carries. Well, he should. I mean, he's third in the NFL in yards, right? third in yards per game and he's third in first down rushes, which I think is the most uh, notable stat because he missed week one with an injury as he was recovering from the broken arm. So third in the NFL and first down rushes and he's missed a game third in yards as well after missing. I mean, yards per game, that's an, a- an average. So right. um, he definitely is still needs to get 10 to 15 touches a game at minimum. 
So on one hand, it's like, yeah, you, you have a lot of riches at running back suddenly, but you also need to make sure that both guys get touches and get double-digit touches every week. That's why I think if the, if the Colts came out in some two running back sets in shotgun with Minshew and, a, and running back on either side and playing off that and, and a really good running back in Jonathan Taylor and one that's playing really well in Zach Moss, use that as a weapon. The fact that you have multiple running backs that can make things happen. 46862, the text line again, 46862. Don't forget to text icing to that number, and you could be a winner of Comets tickets for the game coming up Saturday night at the Coliseum against Iowa. Coming up on the other side, we'll wrap things up here on a Wednesday. More bear talk. Not Chicago Bears, but wild bears. Uh, this time a bear getting into some trouble. Once again, Florida where all these bear stories seem to have been happening a hot of late. for bears currently. So we'll, we'll explain what this bear did next here on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380, the fan and 100.9 FM final time here on Wednesday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380, the fan 100.9 FM. Don't forget final chance to text icing to four, six, eight, six, two. We'll pick a winner right after the show, the pair of tickets, see the comets in the Iowa heartlanders Saturday night at the Coliseum preseason game at number one for the K's. This year, we'll give away uh, tickets to Sunday's game starting tomorrow as well. Some more opportunities to win. Plus, don't forget, listen to the Sports Rush with Brett Rump from 4 to 6 today. Opportunity to win four packs for Saturday and Sunday as well throughout the rest of this week. Final story of the day, a bear in Florida. So, again, Florida bears have been on one in, in the headlines, at least of late. Florida uh, Florida bear interrupted uh, a, a uh, it's, it was excuse me. Let's restart. A Florida man interrupted a big bear snack. There we go. Uh, when he found the bear stealing fish sticks and strawberry syrup from his garage, a fridge in his garage. Uh, this was in Sanford, Florida. the The homeowner said he went out, heard a loud noise, discovered it was a bear knocked over his garage refrigerator, and then he got video of the bear opening the package of strawberry syrup, uh, eating that. And then also feasting on some fish sticks before leaving. It's usually that garage refrigerator, right? That, that has been the key thing stuff. in all of these stories. If someone has a fridge that is accessible outside. Yes. And not ideal, especially if the garage door is open and the fridge is in there, a bear is going to find its way in there. Also, he either zooming in or got incredibly close to the bear in this video. It's pretty really, bold. Really close, huh? Yeah. I mean, you see those, it's like every week you see those those idiots that get really close to the wildlife at like Yosemite and Yellowstone and stuff. And uh, like my my brother works as a volunteer at Rocky Mountain National Park. You wouldn't believe the amount of idiots that like get out of their cars and approach elk and moose oh, and stuff. I'm sure. Like just stupidity. Absolute stupidity. But for this, it was uh, beyond this man's control. The bear came in his territory. That's true. Thanks to Kyle Charters of Saturday Tradition joining us to talk Purdue, Ohio State. For Justin Kinney, I am Caleb Hatch. Dan Patrick up next. The Herd with Colin Cowherd coming up at noon. Indiana Sports Week with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush from 4 to 6 with Brett Rump. Another chance to win Comets tickets with Brett coming up later this afternoon. Have a great day, everybody.